So what has changed in the world in the last 8 years that even common man is talking about artificial intelligence? November 30th, 2022. That's when for the first time I would say the world has realized that there's something that has changed. What I'm really afraid is if you see the rise of people like Osama Bin Laden, they were engineers and they used the technology to do attacks. Now AI is giving power to everyone, good people, bad people. Vinod Khosla spoke about there are going to be a billion developers. Billion developers. You can ask the machine to write in Python or write it in JavaScript or TypeScript yeah. or whatever language just with one prompt. What do you look at it like day to day like how much time that you spend just on the screen? How many ads do you see? Yeah. How many news articles that you see? How do you know that these are not fake? It will be very hard to differentiate what is truth, what is not. This probably is the biggest challenge. <laughs> Hi, this is Adhat Aluwalia and welcome to The Neon Show. This episode's guest is the co-founder of a business software company in the Bay Area. Before this venture, he was SVP Engineering at the Unicorn SaaS company Nutanix. But his journey actually started through growing up in a small village in Jharkhand. It's my pleasure to welcome DevRev's Manoj Agrawal on the show. I would also like to thank our sponsors, Prime Venture Partners, for sponsoring the Neon Show. Hope you enjoy it. You graduated from IIT in 97, uh, went to US in 2000. I think you joined Dheeraj and Nutanix in 2009. Yeah, I joined Dheeraj in 2013. 2013. Uh, 2013, beginning of 2013. When the company was just four years old. Yeah, but 50 developers okay. at that point. And you led the entire engineering team. You became uh, SVP engineering. Yeah. No, so I was, uh, initially I joined for a very small uh, part of uh, Nutanix engineering. But over time, uh, quite a major chunk uh, that uh, I uh, I led. But many of the new initiative, uh, like the second product and third yeah. product and fourth product that I got to work on from ground up. Yeah. Nutanix today is a $10 billion company trade on the US public uh, market on yeah, I mean, like the <laughs> 2016, I, I remember just being uh, at uh, this uh, IPO. The New York Stock Exchange. New York, New York Stock Exchange. That was, it was at uh, NASDAQ. That's where uh, we did. And uh, you don't realize at that point, just the moment itself, yeah. that when, when you are in that room, that uh, history is getting created and so on. Uh, still remember that uh, can give you really the goosebumps. Uh, but that was uh, 2009, let's say, company was uh, founded. Yeah. 2016, like in seven years that it goes public. In 2020, when both Dheeraj and I, we left the company, it was at $1.6 billion in software revenue. I mean, quite remarkable journey. Fantastic. And today, you and Dheeraj have built DevRev, right? And you are taking directly on Salesforce. You are... <laughs> uh, I mean, just the, I mean, learning, I would say, in... Uh, building something and then uh, the pain points that you also see. So I'll say that one of the things that we are super proud of at Nutanix was the very, very high net promoter score, NPS. And uh, NPS, a lot of people that they confuse with the CSAT, customer satisfaction score, because uh, customer satisfaction score that when you say 90% or 95%, uh, just saying that, okay, people, they are saying that on a score of, let's say, 1 to 10, that they are giving you nine and above mark, right? That's the way that you can see that. Maybe when you see 80%, it's like 80% still considered very, very high on the CSAT side. So 80 score that you got. When on net promoter score, when people rate you at eight, it's considered zero. So seven and eight score when customers give you, 
is considered zero below that is minus negative score and only nine and ten is considered plus one so score goes from minus one hundred to plus one hundred that's the way it is normalized and uh, despite at the speed that we are growing every year that we consistently stayed above plus 90 got it and uh, i mean when you start to think about that net promoter score then what are the things that we did that was so differentiated so different and uh, and that's where that it came down to okay are there learnings uh, from this company that we can bring it to the worldwide uh, companies because uh, what people a lot of people don't realize the nps can be a great product for you uh, for your company wherein like you can start very very small with any company that you can grow really really big for so many of the accounts that uh, we had very very small size initially that they continued to grow into and became millions and million dollars and even 100 million okay accounts. a single account giving you 100 million dollars yeah. and and devrev you started with a unique insight that you can marry customer support and product into one and build a new kind of a crm yeah like the i'll, I'll tell you that what happened um, just at uh, nutanix itself like 1.6 billion dollar that uh, we were bringing revenue we were spending close to 400 million dollar just in r&d okay. product side 100 million dollar in customer support close to a billion dollar in sales and marketing let's say that's the kind of spend that we are seeing and of the 400 million dollar that uh, we were spending there was always this question uh, and which like people do that every quarter you're doing the qbr and uh, trying to figure it out that how much money that i'm spending on let's say existing customer yeah how much that money that i'm spending on new feature set that i'm building how much of the work that i'm doing on the maintenance work and so on and this exercise you bring the data onto the spreadsheet and you go and try to categorize them it's like the moment you first of all bring the data onto the spreadsheet it becomes stale and then after that you start to do that manual triaging of this and it's a complete mess number of people amount of time and all of that that requires to do that is uh, is very very difficult problem and i tried to solve this uh, just in the context of uh, nutanix alone yeah. and we gave like two startups that this money that uh, can you go and uh, build which can answer these questions here are the 10 questions that i want you to answer some of that was related to okay how much which are the customers for which i'm doing the work how much work is going there how much new innovation how much maintenance work and all of that and uh, year of work that we did with these companies and nothing concrete came out from those exercises where at least it became very very clear to us that it is a tough problem that we are talking about and it comes down to i mean if the data model itself is not right and data model when you think about it what are the most important thing when you think about in the company and let's for our audience what is data model in yeah. basic let's say explain you to a child yeah so let's uh, a data model is like information that you keep uh, it has to go and like connect to areas of concern that you have so i'm just saying for the companies let's say i'm come i'll come and explain that but let's say for the companies what are the most important thing customer data is most important thing and two things i would say there definitely customers but there is also product the company exists because they have product and because they have customers in the absence of either of them you don't have a company yeah and then the, there are people inside the company they work yeah. they work on what they work for the product and they work for the customers yes. 
so you start to see there is product there is customers and there is work associated with the product and customers now when you think about a data model now data model is like okay when i define work itself how do i really store this work and how do you really connect this work to the product and to the customers yeah and if you could do that really correctly then you have a beautiful system at that point so you stop you you stop thinking about the current system that exists at that point so let's say work has very uh, specific characteristics also it starts in end ends any work that you think about it and then it goes through number of stages and number of workflows that runs on it so if i'm doing software development and most people use let's say atlassian jira yeah uh, and that work goes from open state to let's say in development stage to in qa stage to yeah and uh, resolved to closed state like that's the way that the typically that you'll see on the software development side but when you do customer support it's also work just that we call it different thing we call it customer tickets we put it in let's say gendes for sales for service cloud those systems and there also work it opens it gets assigned to an agent agent is working on it if there is product escalation it goes to the product escalation comes back eventually market is resolved waiting for the customer to say yes or no and then you go and close it turns out the sales people also do work and just that we call that work differently we call them opportunity they work on opportunity and that also opens goes to the pipeline stage gets to the upside gets to the strong upside to commit to then finally closed closed as one or loss let's say so we thought about it hard we said like you know what there is product there is customers there is work and work has this characteristics if you could go and represent that in a way with a customized customizability around the work then you can build a beautiful system of record and then you can start to think about okay if i have to go and provide the customer support then i can go and paint it let's say yellow call it customer support related work can paint it blue call it development related work yeah and and so on and today is a very historic moment right uh, uh, every product of that we touch right at least digitally and some of it physically also the cars that we travel in right the, the room that we sit in lot of it is governed by artificial intelligence yeah yes and even the product that you are building right at, at devrev i believe it's the the heart of it would be built on top of artificial intelligence machine learning right so so what has changed in the world in the last 8 years that today everybody even common man is talking about artificial intelligence uh, i mean first of all like when we started devrev uh, we wanted to make sure that uh, the ai is uh, built in and why and what what does even it represent the ai it is devrev.ai not after the fact it was part of the plan <laughs> that when we started and when you think about Uh, what do people do people are working and work itself uh, there is machine has the knowledge and if machine has the knowledge can you let machine do the work like making machine the intelligent right machine has data and can what you are saying is can machine think for itself yeah the thing is that when machine has the data and if machine is able to do the work can you let machine do it and when machine doesn't know how to do that work can it call the human to do the work so in that sense human can act like a co-pilot to machine 
and vice versa also you can see that uh, wherein human when they are doing the work can machine assist doing that work to the human what is copilot like in basic terms if you have to explain to us yeah, so it's like uh, just think like in the car itself when you're driving a car there's a copilot let's say or in the in a flight that you see there is a copilot who's sitting who's assisting you with certain things that either uh, without even uh, or whatever assistance that the people need yeah. and we see that in the car also not car like the truck when people are driving okay take left or take right or looking after other things and so, so on that, that in the human sense that we see that co-pilot that exists yeah. if somebody is carrying an expensive load in a in a, a machine let's say a truck so that the person doesn't sleep off or doesn't commit error there's to prevent error I, i mean even that you see that the co-pilot uh, when you're driving the like co-pilot when they are driving this big aeroplane how the machine is acting like a co-pilot also there yeah. okay i can land without really me doing it the maneuvering myself the plane can land in itself and that's like machine doing all that work directly so like in the the general sense when you see the co-pilot right now when machine is given so much information and if it has it and if it can determine that this particular question that is been asked with the information that i have i'll be able to go and answer that with certain degree of let's say certainty then i'll let machine answer that and if i if machine uh, determines that okay no i'm not certain then it should be able to go and ask some human to come and help answer but let's say i'm a author i'm writing a novel right so i have to give some input for machine to write it it's not that machine can tap into my brain and start writing yeah. we are away from it yeah, i mean obviously like when you're writing a book and i'm assuming that is a completely different idea yeah. that you have machine can't think yeah. that way machine can only act on things that already exist but can machine think also no machine has the data yeah. and uh, now we are talking about agi and all of that like the what is agi like uh, i can say that uh, first of all agi is beyond understanding it's almost like okay can i get to what uh, human kind of thinking or human kind of intelligence uh, agi full form is artificial general intelligence i know a uh, lot of like open ai of the world that they are still working towards it uh, when it is achieved then we'll all know <laughs> what it means and so on i'm watching uh, this uh, tv series on uh, netflix uh, and uh, many of those concepts actually uh come to the surface there it tries to show that uh, if uh, human kind of thinking or intelligence that comes in that how it uh, can help a lot of human also especially people who are let's say in their late let's say 70s 80s 90s that they need help that uh, agi can help them like through the use of robots let's say think on their behalf because their neurons are dying or their cognitive abilities are dying right 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 so how how can it really go and help now a lot of questions on ethical part and this part and that part will come i mean the I'm goal sure of that there is going to be regulations and all when, that will protect when everybody like even elon musk was the founder of one of the founders of open ai and when they started open ai the goal was to achieve agi and now everybody in the team is divided on <laughs> whether we should achieve agi or not i mean it will happen uh, any technologies i mean when you start to think about it now the question is uh, uh, 
what kind of regulations what what kind of safety that you go and put in uh, wherein this even like the bots that you go and create that they are they are all operating under certain uh, rules and rules basically just can be that okay it can can never harm human let's say these rules are set by humans to never harm humans yes i'm saying that it has to be though protected yeah. because there are always going to be element wherein something or the other or some uh, element will say that okay no it should go and harm certain type of human let's say but i'll give you a use case right and you can tell me a bot is programmed to give the best outcome to the customer right and a human has designed the bot with certain set of rules now they are building intelligent bots and probably in some time not very long like 6 months earlier there can be a bot that can say hey this rule designed by the human is not good enough so my job is to give the best outcome to the customer so so i'll build my own rules or ignore these rules because i have more data than the human <laughs> who put these rules yeah, i will find out <laughs> i mean uh, at the end of the day that they are going to operate under uh, the way the rules that are defined but I, i think the rules are also changing very fast right and yeah. and this is where the regulations i'm i'm assuming that certain regulations okay here is the foundational principle like today for the human when they make mistakes let's say they do certain activities that are considered let's say illegal by the law of the land then there are repercussion of that like there is a system that is in place uh, which has to deal with it now something similar that how do you really go and implement that for machine that will be uh, really good to see yeah it's almost like, like how do you punish yeah. the machine yeah it's almost like the movie matrix right <laughs> right <laughs> the machine yeah, it will be quite fascinating and then the, the, nobody imagined that this could accelerate so fast at November 30th 2022 i mean that's when the for the first time i would say the world has realized that there's something that has changed when chat gpt was released chat gpt was released and maybe for the first time that people also felt that actually ai could do something and if you have to describe to a, a layman right uh, a student in india why chat gpt is so special and why it's such a monumental in the history of human kind why would it be first of all like uh, when you think about the llms large language models and, and let's you, go back back yeah. to what is the language model yeah so uh, people have heard about the nlp uh, for the long time uh, nlp is natural language uh, processing pro- processing right natural language processing now which is like okay the human the way that they speak can you really process that and go and answer yeah certain things so large language model is supposed to like really get the input and being able to go and answer in a way that the human can understand yeah in a language of like let's say the human that they speak and because it has so many let's say parameters with which that it is tuned as yes, so we are talking about 175 billion parameters yes. let's say for the uh, gpt 3.5 let's say you're talking about with those many parameters when you go and ask a question that how the model is sub, is going and is spitting out an answer that human can go and understand is what that the llms are providing us today and chat gpt was nothing but a ui representation or ui interface through which that human could go and interact with the llms or gpt models that's what it provided 
a mechanism because prior to that that okay through the apis and you by writing the code and all that you could go and achieve that yeah but that didn't really reach the masses because masses don't understand Mas- coding masses don't understand it so they just want to go and interact it in a way that they will interact with any machine or yeah so so chat gpt was nothing just a ui interface but underneath models were something that they had it for quite some time and now because it's able to understand and speak in uh, these language models now the ui they gave us was a chatbot now you can ui can be anything ui can be somebody saying it to you that's what you know that in, the at the end of the call if yeah. you are talking to anybody you don't know whether now you are talking to a machine or not right right because like once you have the the answer then the answer is textual visuals or through speech i mean all those things like uh, text to speech that already exist so you can easily can go and do that now if you are able to process the incoming text or speech to text then text to text then text to speech yeah. then it's like you're completing the entire cycle this all there i mean then you start to go and apply that to bots even human bots you can start to show that what i'm really afraid is because the you know if you see the rise of osa people like osama bin laden they were engineers and they use the technology very well to do attacks now now with with giving an ai is giving power to everyone good people bad people when such power goes to to wicked people who who are fanatic by nature they don't consider themselves bad they consider themselves highly purposeful i mean the one of the things that you see or start to see is uh, leaders of the countries let's yeah. say and if bot start to uh, makes uh, decisions let's say starts to change the outcome of election results i mean right there that you see big risk i think uh, indian government slightly got scared and they put in media there was a recent clip of prime minister modi doing a garba prime minister modi doing a garba and he later came on an interview said that the last garba i did was in class 8th so this was completely a deep, deep fake which looked like original prime minister modi I mean, deep fake is uh, we all know that is real now and what you see in media what you see on videos anywhere on social media and all of that can't rely yeah on any more so i don't know what kind of there is definitely going to be regulations and law of the land and there is going to be punishment all kind of things that are going to uh, put yeah. in place like when you are caught then you are, there is going to be some ramification yeah. of that hopefully with that it reduces but the problem the bigger problem is when country to country two different countries they are at they war. have different laws they have different laws and it's not like that okay uh one country trying to go and change the outcome of election in your country that you can go and punish them how do you which court that you're going to go and punish there's no international court right <laughs> right so those are the kind of risk that i think like, it was 7 years ago when russia was accused of interfering with us elections to bring president trump in nobody knows the truth what happened but it was a very large accusation but but those things are real now like yeah. uh, can just happen i mean what you look at it like day to day like how much time that you spend on uh, let's say 
just on the screen yeah how many ads th- do you see yeah. how many news articles that you see how do you know that these are not fake yeah and and these are just drop to change your mind that's it that's it uh-huh. and you see it enough times it just starts to look real yeah to you and earlier uh, my scare is hackers used to say, used to send you fake links for example if you have a bank account they'll change the domain name and then so it was still detected by intelligent humans some people fall prey to it now they can also start targeting intelligent humans to program them in, in such, such a way yes yes and that's what is doing wherein like okay you'll see it enough times that you start to believe that is the truth yeah it's quite scary yeah and probably with to such scammed uh, it was called phishing attack so i think now phishing attacks will become more intelligent so they'll not try to phish you on the first attempt they'll try to phish you on the 100 attempt once they make and, you and the, the thing is that they are not asking you anything else yeah. you are just seeing it you're just changing your opinion you don't have to click on anything were you watching ads all the time you're just seeing it all around you so i think it it will be very hard to differentiate what is truth what is not right so th- this probably is the biggest challenge <laughs> do you have any fears that ai pro- is progressing at a speed that the best of humans cannot not are not able to keep a pace with it I mean, it's a very interesting question. Uh, first of all, like uh, such technology, uh, first basically they they move slowly and then suddenly that's what happens, and it feels like that it is moving very very fast right now. Now to say that whether human, there are a lot of good use cases by the way, and there are a lot of bad use cases also will come come along. In at least in my head right now, it is. if cognitive load that the human have in doing anything that they do a lot of busy work that they do and if machine learning or ai at least in the context of let's say work that we do day to day at work it starts to take away then we have more time to think more time to do lot more innovative work so in that sense that it should help uh, in big way yeah uh, for the people in fact even for the people where Uh, it takes away certain jobs uh, completely but then they can focus on something that is more meaningful to go and do it maybe i was doing one thing that is now being done by the bot but i can go and learn new skills because there is also interfaces that are getting developed with which i can do lot more other thing adjacent areas of work that i can start to do it so it's going to be interesting in my opinion that biggest worry is that okay from the people who are trying to uh, do things that is going to be harmful for the people versus like uh, just the cognitive load that it is taking away from people which is like mostly positive and which are the jobs that you think will first go away because of ai what kind of jobs are they i think again uh, that if you are not producing something uh, from let's say uh, yourself if you're not producing something yourself and most of the time that okay a question is being asked to you and you have to go and look up for that information search for that information or uh, you read about that information that's what you are going and and answering those are the things that you will start to see that the bot can do 
because they can go and search for the information. They have plethora of information right there. Uh, and they can continuously learn about this information. Like while human will have to go and sleep and so much time, but machine, they don't need to go and sleep. So those are the jobs that I definitely see as the first one, uh, which can easily be displaced. But that just says that, okay, yeah, because machine uh, can do a better job, uh, frankly, there. A few use cases that I think of is first is news anchors that consume news from 10 contents and summarize it. Second is, as we discussed, customer support agents that are on the other end, that their job is to find the solution which is setting somewhere, not to create solution and relate back to the customer. Right, right, right. Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, you'll see even the there are a lot of people who just go and ask the question, some simple question, getting that answer, tabulate it, and then go and create the reports and so on. Many of those things also, program manager, yeah. You'll see uh, uh, even like the jobs that what uh, in the sales development rep that they do. In fact, take the information and they just have to go and speak uh, to the customers, like do a lot of dial and a lot of email and a lot of campaign and so on. Many of these things that can be automated by machine. I was uh, in Palo Alto in my office next to it uh, and there is a cafe I was seated there. And there was a newspaper and on the front line, uh, on the front page, it was saying that the city council looking into uh, the usage of AI to reduce the workforce. And I was like, okay, if it is reaching to the city level now, there is something real that is happening. They're all trying to save cost now and they think that there is something in here that can help reduce the cost. So, I mean... It will get to that level. Just a matter, it's a matter of time. But there's, there's going to be some other jobs that will get created then after that. And what are the jobs that you think that will be created first because of this revolution? The very first thing, like just the tons of regulations. Yeah. That means that uh, every company will require uh, people that... More regulators. More regulators inside ethical committee and compliance and I mean tons of jobs that will just right there will get created inside the company itself that you can see. Um, company will be doing a lot more work. I mean maybe with the same resources will expect it to do a lot more work. Maybe the cost will go down even even more further because the cost of development is going down. So accessibility to the technology will just happen more and more. Uh, uh, somebody uh, who Vinod Khosla spoke about that uh, there are going to be a billion developers. Billion developers. The world's population right now is I think 8 billion. Yeah, so when you were talking about that, the what is happening with the access to the technology now, that people will be able to go and program very, very easily. Now, you don't need a very, very specialized degree to be able to go and program. You don't need to learn Python to program. Yeah, yeah. You can, like, uh, you can ask the machine to write in Python or write it in JavaScript or TypeScript yeah. or whatever language, like, just with one prompt that you can do that. Like, remember that this inversion of control that we talk about, what is happening right now. Inversion of control is previously for machine to be able to go and do the work, we had to go and write the, uh, language in which machine can understand it, which is like the programming languages that we have to go and write. That's the only way that machine will do the work. 
now it has reversed. The role has reversed wherein machine has to learn the human languages to do the work. That's what has happened. So I don't have to go and even learn any of those things. As long as that I have the analytical skills, which what question to ask or what I'm planning to go and build, that's all. It's just the instructions that I have to go and give. And the machine is supposed to understand it and create and do the job. Which language that they go and program internally, I don't care. I don't care, really. So that's the inversion yeah. of control. And thereby people, like it's in news, I don't know whether it's true or not, that prompt engineering is on high demand. I mean, those things, uh, at least in my mind, uh, yeah, which is analytical skills. Okay, what more information that I can go and give the machine and can route them to in the right direction. My thinking is that even that will become a bot. <laughs> what I that will start to prompt based on the domain area that that I am that it's able to go and feed that information. Uh, so right now, obviously, prompt engineering because then you can get the the answer the way that you want it for the certain domain and all. But you can also feed that domain expertise or the information by the bot. And I'm sure that there are companies that will get formed yeah. which will just do that, which is just feeding the information. Specialized prompt engineering companies. Yes, yes, yes. Here is a bot that just does the prompt engineering for you. So we both are of previous generations, right? But how do you, and whatever gets defined in the new generation, for example, social media got started because of the Gen Z of today. How is Gen Z today using AI? Because that will shape up how AI gets used ultimately. I mean, uh, I can I can say that I have two daughters. Okay, how old they are both they? Gen Z. Okay, and uh, what are they using right now? I can see the Chat GPT definitely. Okay, is getting used. That's the way that they are getting introduced to AI for uh, reducing today. their homework. So uh, it's interesting. It's mostly for asking questions right now. Uh, in most schools and they don't allow them to use. So they don't. But uh, to go and ask a question, get an answer and then go and figure it out like how to do it. Instead of going to Google to search for the information, they they just just going and searching on the chat GPT now or asking the question and getting the more precise answer on chat GPT. And even for learning things that uh, they're going more to this interface, newer interface versus going to Google. Uh, video definitely is playing a big role for them, which is like the YouTube and all for searching the information and going and watching that. That is like still harder to go and just displace right away. But I'm sure that we'll go and see a lot more coming there. And the other thing is that uh, the AI models that people are training, right? How do we ensure that they don't have any confirmation or harmful biases? Because we don't know, right, uh, the input data or the data models that you talked about, where's the source of those data models? And, uh, that's a risk. So, especially when you go and look at any uh, general purpose models that is out there and what exactly are you using? If you're using that for the entirety of the information to really get certain things done, then it's probably going to be hard. So, let's say we think about it a lot in the context of the companies. You have data, you have information. Can you really restrict all your answer or any kind of things that you want to answer only to that set of information that you are providing? So use that and then use the LLMs only to translate once you have the information 
in a language that the human can go and understand it but don't use the intelligence or the the biases that are set uh, with those llms today so most enterprises that you will see that they will just do it uh, that way uh, in many cases that you'll also see that uh, especially for the enterprises again that they will go and uh, train the llms with the data set for their domains with their data uh instead of just going and using the the general purpose for all things that they want to do and there's a popular term called reinforcement learning what is that i mean uh, it just comes down to every time that you miss something and human comes and answers something then how do you use that information for the next time around when people ask the similar question can you so, give a live example so let's say a customer asked a question and machine goes and determine that okay this answer i don't really have with certainty that i can go and answer so at, at which point a human will come and yeah. answer and uh, when human answer that question once it is clarified let's say somebody internally reviewed it and said that okay this is the right answer by the way then at that point the machine has to learn it that next time when similar question comes i can go and use that as an answer so it's like uh, reinforce uh, reinforcement learning that is happening in the process and uh, and you can be uh, the, that's one interface that you see the second one is that when machine itself is answering and there is you'll see typically that there is a thumbs up or thumbs down yeah that uh, people put as yes. part of that the chat uh, gpt interface yeah so with which also the machine is learning that okay the answer that i'm giving is that accepted answer or not accepted answer so which which that it can next time around can change alter the answer and uh, coming to uh, indian context right the first company that you built nutanix i i believe there was very less uh, indian engineers or indian workforce that you hired Which was sitting there in India, and you and Neeraj visited India seldom. In but here in Devrev, I I have seen you visiting India more and more. What has changed in the last fifteen years? Yeah. That that is. So first of all, like uh, Nutanix was founded in what two thousand nine. Yeah. Twenty thirteen, we came to India. Yeah. So Bangalore office was set back then. Uh, one thing that you will see, and uh, I was talking to another founder today, the B two B culture. is particularly in bangalore is lot more b2c that you see here yeah and less and less b2b you go to chennai that you find lot more b2b yeah uh, culture there so for a for a company like nutanix like even to come and uh, establish there uh, that time we had to go and hire people lot of people from the college back okay. then to really go and build uh, what we built out of here obviously like right now more than 1000 people Uh, that we have uh, at Nutanix just in Bangalore office alone let's say uh, there is lot of learning that came i would say uh, during that period what we could go and build and how to go and build it and uh, how you go and uh, look at also people that were quite young let's say out of college give them the internship uh, on board them as new college grad provide them like all the uh, way that they can be very very successful inside the the company give them the environment with which that they can really produce similar to what like people let's say back in us uh, also will go and produce that learning this time around that we didn't want to wait for 4 years Got so with devrev on day one that we decided that okay we just need to find out where is the outside us where will be the first office that we decided 
um, with Bangalore. And you also see like there are uh, at least on the enterprise B2B mindset, there are Google came in, like especially with the Google Cloud that you see yeah. that they established here. AWS came in, not Amazon.com, yeah. but AWS yeah. uh, part that came in uh, in India during those period, like 20, we are talking about post 2013 yeah. that has happened. So this time around just made it much, much easier. The other part uh, that you asked me, like uh, we travel a lot more. I was traveling quite a bit uh, during Nutanix days also, at least once a quarter because we had a large uh, presence here uh, but uh, what you see also the SaaS I mean what has happened the talent pool definitely is there but also lots of founders now uh, founders led companies that out of India like I don't know like maybe right now uh, what close to 4000 SaaS companies just out out of India alone yeah. right now so that is quite interesting I mean uh, you come here you learn quite a bit also from these founders but uh and uh, but what is the noticeable change that you have seen since you mentioned you have been coming here every quarter since 2013 and you are sitting at the mecca of innovation which is uh, San Francisco. The, the, first of all like uh, in terms of the talent pool and all that i mean it was always there uh, one thing that has changed that we see def- definitely like i'm looking at 2013 to right 2023 yeah so just the services mindset to product mindset like we were providing to the world a lot of services uh, back then to now we are providing a lot of product out of uh, this place. So that's a big change that has happened because of which also what you see is lot of talent actually they stay put in India now as opposed to like in the past that everybody wanted to just move out yeah, to go and build products somewhere you, else. You I believe moved out in 2000 because there were not so many opportunities in India. There was like not. That. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the reason like why you move out because uh, there was not product that is getting built. Every extension of the team or company that they were getting built here, they were doing maintenance work mostly. They were not building product. You'll see that the 1.0 of the product is built somewhere else. It's always like the maybe the enhancement, the small enhancement and all of that, which is I'll put in the maintenance category that was built, which has reversed completely now. And every company like now you see that the extension is built, but the extension is not to go and do the maintenance work but to build the primary product so that has changed the second thing that i have noticed is uh, previously people wanted to become manager yes very very fast <laughs> so i have three years five years of experience now i want to become manager which was like the social pressure that the people had and that also has changed dramatically now people wants to stay technical they want to uh, grow in the technical ladder they started to realize that also there's not much difference uh, in terms of the comp structure and all of that. In fact, you can grow a lot more just being technical. It's like one change, uh, the second change that I've seen, which is like uh, quite interesting to watch. And in terms of, you know, uh, DevRev, right? You built DevRev.ai first, right? What are the difference between you seeing the companies that were not built AI first and now trying to integrate AI and companies like you was built on AI on day zero? I think the first of all, uh, I would say I'll normalize it for the people. Uh, probably thought that maybe AI is very, very hard mm-hmm. or I need very specialized. You need a PhD in AI. Yeah, I mean, like you only if you hire the people with the AI background and yeah. like uh, PSDs and all, that's the only way that you can be an AI company. Uh I go back to just looking at uh, AWS, like uh, even just when you go and look at 
each of the services that you go and consume today out of AWS, back then each of the, those services were multiple companies before and required a specialized skill set for you to be able to even go and use those services yeah. from those companies. You had to have the deep expertise. Not anymore. You just go and you consume the API and you see that because of which there are so many applications that are built by so many people around the world sitting in their dorm room also that they are able to go and do that. And the question is, can you really go and extend that to the, the AI also? And which is what is happening because of which we'll see that just every application will have the AI built in in there. So I'm, I'm talking about just the orchestration layer itself, which let's say if you pick LangChain, open source that anybody can go and use it. Then you start to look at, okay, here are the embedding models. Here is the caching layer. Here is the uh, vector database. Here is the foundational model. These are all can be consumed with the API now. It's not that it requires you to have the massive amount of knowledge of the, the AI itself. So I think the normalization is prior to, let's say, uh, what two years ago, I would say that people, it was out of reach for the people. And today it's all within reach for the people and the same people can go and in their companies can start to use or provide AI as part of their platform. It's not a differentiator anymore. It will not be. It will become just a necessity for you to stay relevant. So you're saying every company that starts, every technical company that starts today will be AI first or has to be AI first. I mean, it just becomes anything that I'm doing with your product. And that requires me to go and write a bunch of things in your product that AI should just take care of it for it, me. It's just like 20, 25 years ago, every software that we used to interact with, most were command prompt based. And I needed a special command prompt specialist to interact. And then the world of UI came in. And that's why you think with clean UI, the next thing is where I don't need that kind of complex UI to navigate a software. I mean, we'll have to start to think about when we say there are going to be a billion developers. Let's say that's what uh, uh, Mr. Vinod Khosla is saying. And that simply means that how do you really go and create a billion developer? The only way that can happen is when you make the interface so simple. Right. And that's what like every company who are coming out or whatever that they are building, they'll have to make the interface so simple that anybody should be able to go and use it. It doesn't require a specialized skill set for me to be able to go and use. And the only way that you can give that kind of interface, if you go and build the AI as part of your product, you have to just make it simple. I can come and ask question and the system should just do it for me instead of me going and clicking at 20 different places to achieve that task, which is possible today. You just need to go and use these APIs and uh, models that already exist. So, in a way, it's, it's going back to where it all started. Initially, every software was based on command prompt that I need to have learned the language of command prompt. And then it shifted to user interface with hundreds of buttons, which in the back end, it was still command prompt. And now I'm back to language, which I understand. And I don't need to use a button. I can type, go in a bank's, let's say, it might not be a website anymore. I can go to a bank's interface, authenticate myself, and I say, transfer Rupees 500 from Siddharth to Manoj's account. This is and it. I, and I don't need any application. This is it. 
I mean, maximum that uh, it will give you an interface saying that, okay, is this what you meant? Yes. Just to reconfirm. And you say yes. Go. So, so ultimately, it will lead down to all crumbling down of all interfaces. Yes. Yes. But then underlying that will be the, okay, dot AI. <laughs> yeah. But then it will, it, it spurs also a question on, then why would a person need a mobile phone with hundreds of apps? Because if I can get a single interface, like that's what everybody in the world was initially starting to build it, right? Everybody wanted to build a super app. WeChat became the super app of China, but I think rest of the world, there, there was no super app. I mean, still there is workflows, like uh, for the work, kind of work that you're doing. And if companies are still going to go and specialize in that, because in the end, whatever prompt or questions that you're asking, some workflow still has to go and run in the background that you're doing but those, I don't care about if, if somebody wants to make the life of the user super easier. And the, the, you, you are right. From the user perspective, they can just come and ask and it has to really then transfer to the right app. Yeah. To ans- uh, ask the that background question, which right? app is running, user doesn't care. Yeah, probably that. Yeah, you're right. Just like, okay, I can come to the Google and I can ask a question and it should just figure it out. Like, okay, which app yeah. and how to get that information. Yeah, order once Uber, Uber for me. I want to go from here to there and... Those will just happen much sooner. The crumbling of, I think, app software interfaces. Book a ticket for me from here to there. Yeah. I mean, those are pretty simple. Why do I need to go to 10 websites, compare prices, then figure out if this date ticket is available or not? That is still already happening. If you just think about it, like uh, aggregator sites, that's what they they were trying to do. Still giving the options and so on there. But... That's what ultimately OpenAI is doing through ChatGPT. Google is giving you 10 options. Why do you want 10 options? Where I can give you the right answer, what you desire. I mean, the right answer itself, what you think is the right answer is still human will say, no, no, I still have an opinion. Yeah. So give me some choices yeah. and then I'll go and decide. Because what you think is the right answer, I may think that, okay, maybe for 2%, 3% yeah. of the cases, that might not be right. I think that is what uh, it's termed at hallucination, right? Yeah, I, I start to think like the, when, when we talk about hallucination, even human hallucinate, right? What is, what do you mean by hallucination? Hallucination is like, okay, you don't, you don't know the answer, but you try to like relate it to something else and try to go and answer something. And which simply means that, okay, it's not a precise answer. It's not the answer that actually is the right answer for the question that has been asked, but you are hallucinating. Now, in the organization also what you will see, first of all, you ask same question to 10 different people in the organization, you'll get different answer. Yeah. You'll not get the same answer. Now, do we say that they're all right answer? Do we say that, okay, only two answers are actually precisely right answer. The rest of the answers are near about or maybe they are hallucinating also. And that's what that you will see with the human. But when human does, they do it. We don't take a note. We don't say anything. We, t- we internally think that they are confused. <laughs> so we might think that way, but when machine does it, then we say that, okay, look, the, the machine is hallucinating. Now, if you provide the, that this is where that, okay, here is the set of, uh, documents or the information that I have. And I'm going to just feed you. You cannot really go out of the, the information that I have provided. If you don't have the answer, just say that, okay, I don't have the answer. This is where the safe zone is. You only look at this document, nothing else. Yeah. And then, so that's where that you start to remove the hallucination. 
that was ultimately initially page 404 when a website couldn't be found on a browser it used to say i'm not able to find the website but if now it gives the incorrect website that's i think hallucination yes you are right so here what you will see and what like every enterprise the way that they are going to go and adopt the ai is like okay here is this you just i want you to just play within this boundary here is the information that i'm providing you if you can get the answer then answer it if not then just quietly say that okay i don't know the answer let me get some human to come and answer and that's the boundary that we'll start to play that and that's the way that you start to remove the hallucination now when we talk about the hallucination right now it's all in the context of this open thing that we ask question and machine doesn't want to say that okay i don't know the answer it goes and give you the gives you the answer and because we are human we kind of also understand we see that okay i know that you are hallucinating right now because this is not the right answer yeah but to determine whether a hallucination is happening by a machine you need an intelligent human on the other end as yeah, machine right. will start to program you yeah, right 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 <laughs> so the adoption particularly for the yeah. the businesses and all that that's why you see that they are why they are limiting that and there are a lot of companies that are coming in so try so, to go and solve for so, it so that means that any enterprise or any business when they are giving access to ai tools to their employees they are very heavily guarded they are guarded you can't just go and you can't say that okay i can run the business on chat gpt you cannot yeah. like just like you can't run your business just saying that on okay, google go to google and ask the question and whatever answer that you get you can go and run the business right you can't so previously the nobody was even allowed to go and get the answer unless like i am providing in the form of faq or kbs that i have made it open and you go and determine whether yeah. even the link that you go and click it will take you to my website and that's the way you know that this information is right or wrong and uh, here that's why it will be guarded very heavily that you can only come to my chatbot and ask this question and i will ensure that the answer that you get is the right answer i think the world hasn't seen enough bad actor use cases of chat gpt now because if i'm searching for on google for a cure google will not give me the answer google will redirect me to webmd but mm-hmm. now chat gpt will give me the answer of what medicine should i take when i have fever <laughs> and if gives me a wrong medicine and doesn't know the history probably we'll start seeing repercussions i'm sure like the domain specific uh, things that will start to happen so just wait for maybe gpt5 yeah <laughs> gpt4 already is quite intelligent but yeah gpt5 probably will take us to a different level i'm quite hopeful though on the uh, medicine side uh, we already see on the legal side that it's making quite a bit of an impact already uh, you can go and talk to the lawyers they are already talking about okay there are so many jobs right now in the company that the machine is able to do much much better job versus like the the human in the law firm so we're seeing that the use cases they they are emerging which is like quite safe also with their information that is fed to the machine to only restrict yourself yeah. in that domain only so thank you so much manoj it was a wonderful conversation and especially your insights on ai i, I loved interacting thank you for having me a lot of questions are quite insightful i also got to learn yeah. quite a bit in this conversation so thanks thanks, thanks for having me yeah.